Welcome back to the Beat the Often Path podcast, the show where we feature unusual success stories to help us all think outside the box in our lives and in our careers. My guest today is Norman Lenden of the trance pioneer group Mark Norman. For nearly a decade, he played some of the world's largest festivals, Tomorrowland, Trans Energy, you name it, and he toured the globe professionally. Now that he's a father, he's transitioned into his new role as marketing manager for Rye Amsterdam, one of the largest event centers in the Netherlands. Norman is a great friend and he's a very talented person. And today we talk about following your passions, plural, career transitions, and coming out on top after periods of uncertainty. Not only that, but he was kind enough to lend me his new track for the intro music of this episode, Step Into the Future, It's a World Premiere, right here, that he's letting me use. So I'm very grateful for that. Here is Norman Lenden in the house. Norman Lenden joining me on the podcast. How is it going, Norman? Well, doing fine, Rose. Thank you. Very nice and honored that you invited me for your podcast. Cool. The pleasure is cool. all mine. You have been yeah. up to some really cool stuff. I knew you way back in the day as first Mark Norman, the producer from In Search of Sunrise and various compilations, right? Tiesto compilations and the trance yeah. days. But that was before yeah. I ever met you. I'd listened to your music. And then we met in The Hague many years ago and wrote some music together with a British guy, as I recall. Yeah, new, new world. I'm still actually making music with him. Really? He was a cool yeah. guy. Yeah. Really nice dude. Great at writing lyrics. Yeah, maybe if I send you, show you later on some, uh, some new tunes. I think you'll like it. It's more with an 80s, 80s sound on it, 80s feel. I have no doubt that I will. Yeah, yeah and, cool. and you, you were one of the first people that I would see. I saw you in your studio for those listening. And you had these little KRK, I think they were rocket speakers, these tiny little speakers in your little studio, making music at a very quiet volume, <laughs> just barely audible, making music, doing all your chops, your loops. And uh, it was fascinating to watch your process. It was really yeah, cool thanks. to see you make yeah. music. But, you, still, hmm? you also make music. You still make music, Gerald? Uh, I do from time to time, but I sort of also switched gears in my own life a little bit away from music as my full-time thing. Yeah. Um, I... You know, we moved to L.A. and a lot changed in our life. And uh, I was making my money doing marketing and helping startups and building businesses and that kind of thing. And the DJ thing kind of drifted away a little bit over time. Also, uh, I didn't really want to be traveling when my daughter was born. I didn't really want to live that lifestyle. So I sort of drifted away. Not that I don't think about it all the time or sometimes think that I wish I was doing more of it. Uh, but that's something that we can talk about on this episode <laughs> since I think it might appeal to a lot of people. But but give give everybody like an overview of your career. How did you get where you are today? What's the, the overview? Well, actually, it's quite a funny story yeah? because nowadays uh, I'm not, uh, well, I'm still a musician, but I'm not doing it for a living anymore because now I work as a marketing manager for a big venue. I think the biggest venue in Holland, the Rye, Rye Amsterdam. Well, back in the days, yeah, where you know my music from, uh, I was, yeah, uh, as a 14-year-old kid, kiddo, I was really interested in, in the whole process of making music. So I started out with uh, cutting tapes, you know, the old school tapes. And that, that's why I, um, enjoy, I enjoyed it so much in, in doing that, that uh, when I grow up further, I, I, I bought, you know, uh, sample keyboards and samplers from my savings um, back in the days. And then uh, I started making music really with, yeah, little equipment but i really enjoyed it doing it and when i became older um when i was going to to study and i went uh, to another place in holland i started organizing parties in dance events back in the days uh, which was quite new at that time uh, and there uh, i met a lot of uh, yeah djs you know like uh, eric e tiesto in his at the beginning of his career and it was really interesting to see how those DJs were, um, yeah, um, how do you say that in, English, in a good English? They were creating a, such an atmosphere in a club, which I really admired and which I was really um, fond of. So uh, that's why I decided, okay, one day when I become a big guy, grow old, I want to become a DJ. And that's how it all started, you know, with a strongly inner belief. Okay, I want to to grow as a DJ. I want to become a DJ, and yeah, then my path came around. I came uh, Mark, you know, from Mark Norman, became friends, and we start making music together, and we were sending out demos. And then, at a certain point, uh, the record company uh, came and they said, "Okay, 
you guys you make awesome music. Uh, can we speak? And then it all started. Yep. And you know the path, you know, I started, uh, yeah, as a small kid and then grow into the scene, played out of big festivals. Yeah, but it was uh, quite a, quite a, yeah, quite a path. Quite a path indeed. And how long were you a professional DJ full-time or a musician? Yeah, I think um, from, in a period from 2001 till 2010. Okay, nine yeah, years. Yeah, and I, uh, yeah, I played the biggest festivals, you know, like Mysteryland. I played Tomorrowland in the, in the early stage. Mm-hmm. And now it's really became huge. I played it two times. I played Trans Energy, Dance Valley, uh, Travel the World, you know, played the biggest festivals out there. Went up on tour to Australia, to America, to the United States. Even in Los Angeles, I played a few times. Oh, cool. San Diego, it was quite, quite, yeah, it was quite awesome. Really, uh, yeah, I was really in, at the forefront of the scene nowadays. And nowadays, it's really became huge, you know, with the big festivals in the, everywhere in the States. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you, you had tremendous success in what was obviously a very different world and a very different scene than the music yeah. scene is today. But I think what is so fascinating... And again, this is, speaks to sort of the idea of this podcast, but it's fascinating when people stop doing these things. And I think in the last several years, we've seen a lot of people who had the dream and nobody can understand, people who want the dream, nobody can understand why anybody would ever leave the dream. Like Avicii touring all these shows, he kills himself. Why? Nobody can understand that winning the game could possibly be anything but glamour or fun or parties all the time. So after a really great career doing all kinds of awesome stuff, getting your music on all kinds of the biggest compilations, what prompted you to switch gears in 2010? Well, actually, you know, you were talking about glamour and a lot of people think that the whole DJ life is uh, the, the, the coolest life you can ever imagine. But, you know, when you're not um, in the top league like an Armin and Tiesto, a lot of DJs who are below that, Sometimes they're struggling, you know, to get the right bookings, to get the nice bookings. And um, I've, I've been there, you know, uh, I played the, the biggest festivals, but I also played a lot of uh, clubs where, you know, where which, which were empty or not enough people, less people. So it was sometimes struggling. And um, also the traveling was became really, yeah, exhausted sometimes. You know, it was always when you go travel around the world and it was, it was nice because I met a lot of people. But on the other hand, in the end of my career, at the end of my career, I made some decisions, you know, because, you know, my style, I'm, I, I was, um, yeah, we, we, we created a lot of tech trends tunes back in the days. Mm-hmm. And um, at a certain point, they asked for us, okay, can you remix a track in a, in a housey feeling uh, style? So we did it with Celine Color My Eyes and that track also became really popular and then we thought me and mark oh we can produce everything and that was one of the choices yeah the really bad choice we made back in the days which we yeah it wasn't right to do that because our fans our people they knew us from the tech trend style but we made a decision to also to produce different styles so it was confusing for a lot of people Mm -hmm. so that was one of the things which was when i look back not the clever thing to do and also the the bookings they became less so sometimes you know it was really okay is there still enough money coming in to live the dead the nice life so and we me and mark both studied we had a degree and i was thinking okay i'm becoming older what's wise to do you know still producing still djing in the hope you will hit the champions league uh, uh for example uh uh, level or become older and then at a certain point you're not interesting anymore for the scene and they say goodbye and then what you know you don't have experience in the work field mm-hmm. so yeah it was really it was a really hard decision to uh to leave the the music scene but when i look back i think it's a really uh, yeah one of the best decisions i've ever made because now music i, I still make music i still have my studio and i'm still going every week twice a week to the studio to make music. But now it become more an, an hobby. Mm-hmm. It all started with a ho- as a hobby and now it's become a hobby yep. again. Yeah. But you don't have yeah. the, the pressure, you know, to, to, to make music, to make hits, to, yeah. So to be honest, yeah, I think to be honest, the music became better because in the end of my career, yeah, it was really hard to, to produce the same tracks again and again and again. So it was hard for us. Mm-hmm. 
That's fascinating that you say that because I think that's something that a lot of people can understand. Um, yeah. You know, especially as you age, you get older, things are different. Also, the pressure of being creative is very, very difficult. Nobody understands that. And also, you know, you get into all of these creative things because, like you said, you have a feeling there's something inside of you that wants to come out. And you make music, and that's the why, why I made music for years and years, just because I wanted to express myself, because I love dance music, not the money or the scene. I hate the scene. I love the music. Um, but you, you, you do that, and then at a certain point, people say, like, okay, do this, put it into this box, shape it like this, or you know, package it this way. And then a lot of that freedom and flexibility that you had disappears. Yeah, true that. And also, uh, when, you're, when it's your profession, you have to bring money in. Yeah, because uh, we were with the two of us, me and Mark. So you had to produce the tunes, you had to produce the, the, the DJ gigs. So it was really a, a sort of company. But when money's not coming in anymore, it became hard, you know, because then you feel the pressure. Okay, I have to make music to bring some money in. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a circle, you know, as you know what I mean. And creativity means that when you are creative, in my case, I have to be empty in my head. I don't want to feel pressure because then I, I'm stuck. There's mm-hmm. nothing coming out. But when you're free, then the creativity is going everywhere. That's very true. And, and I think another thing that people don't understand is the practicalities. Because, like you said, you're flying. If things are going well, you're in an airplane all the time. And you have to pay, let's say, 20% of whatever you earn to your booking agent or manager. So you have to earn 20% above what you need so that you can take off their fee and you still have enough. You have to make sure you have enough that after all the flights and all of the accommodations, you still have money. And then this is all, of course, pre-tax. So in the end, you know, you could start with 200,000 euros a year or something like that, but then it gets chipped down and chipped down. So the volume of gigs that you have to have to sustain yourself at the mid-level is probably a lot more than people realize, wouldn't you say? Yeah, true that. And I started in a period... When I produce music, um, we had the final. You know, my music, my first uh, tracks were released on final. So the earnings from the finals are were much more than when we had the transition, when we went to digital. So there was a huge, huge uh, uh, difference difference to um, yeah when you when you look to your earnings. So there was also for us okay, hmm, how does that goes? And, you know, it's not all about getting the money in and the right money in, but I think it's a whole, um, yeah, it's like a whole, um, how do you say that in the right thing? It's like a process, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I... <laughs> if that, uh, I do, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, then let's go to the point. So the moment where you decide, okay, we're because you're producing with a partner, um, you are looking at the business and you're saying, okay, maybe this is something that we need to stop 2010. Very hard decision, I know, because you're always going to be thinking about it. That's something to me, to me as well. Especially because, you know, I played, when you have memories of people screaming, like I played a gig in China with like thousands of people screaming, like, it's hard to get rid of these memories emotionally. It's hard to just say, okay, now I'm going to go live in a cubicle for the rest of my life. It's, it's very, very emotionally hard to say goodbye to this, even though I think you can make a smart decision and you can make the right decision. So when, when you finally made that decision to transition, what happened next? What happened next? Yeah, it was really fun because um, I started uh, a daily daytime job uh, okay. at the end of my DJ career. So a part-time job, daytime job. So I, I worked two days, not three days a week for a company, a big company, Stage Entertainment. It's also in a musical company in the, in, in the Netherlands. And on the other end, I was three days a DJ. So in the weekends, I was flying to Thailand or to China. And then I came back and I went to the office on Tuesday till Thursday. And then Friday, the whole process repeats. But, you know, there was also one year from two, was 2010 till 2011. Uh, and then I experienced, okay, it's not working because to be honest, it was not um, my decision to, to step out of the music scene. You okay. know, it was more a sort of factors of um, things which came together and then beyond yeah, your control. Yeah, it was out of my control and a bit out of my control, but you know, the, a lot of things were going on. Okay, what to do, what to do. And it, it went like this. 
-hmm. because I, I thought, okay, I, and also if I want to succeed in my uh, work career, I have to make hours, you know, in the office and I have to uh, get some experience. Otherwise, at a certain age, you're too old mm -hmm. to come into the, in the, into the work life. So that was always a thing in my head, and maybe because I'm raised like that, you know, uh, sort of uh, conditioned. Um, but it was always uh, for me a thing to to make flying hours, to flight hours, to 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 get experience, to become also uh, a marketing uh, professional, which I really like because I was always working with marketing back in the days when I was a musician. But then, yeah, to do two things. And to succeed in two different things, yeah, on one way in a uh, uh, daily work uh, job, and on the other hand, as a musician, yeah, it wasn't like that. Because if you want to succeed, you have to focus. Same as uh, when you into the into the music, you, you can succeed if you focus. And then after a year, I said, okay, it's not gonna work anymore. I can't don't gonna fly to uh, wherever on on the planet, and then the next day, uh, the next two days go to the to my daily job because mm -hmm. yeah my walls were like uh, here you know it was too yeah. tiring i know what you mean yeah so then what what happened then so you just you said okay that's it i'm gonna stop well yeah i gotta stop music um for now for a year and then um i went into a daily job four days a week and then my son uh, my, my firstborn son uh, was born and in 2011 and he's now nine years old. So then, yeah, you know how it is when you become a father, the whole world is changing. Everything changes. And when I look back, you know, music was always one of the most important things in my life. But in 2011, yeah, the most important thing happened in my life. And it was the, 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 the born, yeah, when my son was, uh, was born, firstborn son, beautiful. I completely know. And then something in my head was, a, okay, this is, your focus for the rest of your life. Well, I think now well, it's a bit different, but then at that time it was okay. Yeah, and that that's yeah, that's how that's how it goes because I felt okay. Now I'm a father. I became a father. You know, uh, I feel the responsibility for him and for my my wife also. And it's okay. I have to succeed in my job. And then I start working four days a week, five days a week. I made some uh, career switches. And yeah, nowadays uh, I work as a uh, as a marketing manager for uh, for the Rye in Amsterdam, which I really like. And uh, also my two younger daughters were born, so I'm now father of three. Yeah. Um, still uh, happy with my wife. Yeah, totally different life. But also um, I started making music again uh, a few few years ago, and I never stopped making music. My the focus was gone. But the last years. Um, I really feel that the energy is coming back and uh, also the motivation and my drive is, is getting there. So yeah, and uh, I'm also seeing Mark uh, a lot of the times uh, the last uh, few years. So yeah, we are now um, preparing maybe something for something new. So, who knows in 2021? I don't know. Cool. Because also the whole, the whole Corona of the whole COVID uh, pandemic. Yeah, I was thinking, well, what is really important in life, you know? Follow your dreams, follow your... Uh, uh, feelings and um, I think when I look really deep inside, yeah, your family is the most important thing. And then oh, can I, oh, my wife is coming okay, down. Cool. Yeah, but it's really important to, um, to 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 follow your dreams. And I think music is also has also uh, yes something in my in my in my heart, you know. So that's what I really want to uh, to show the world what we can do and what we are maybe up for. Very exciting. And th that brings up a very interesting point. So follow your dreams, advice that we hear. Do you think it's possible for your dream to change over the course of your life? Or do you think that one thing is, this is a dream? No, I think you can uh, have a lot of dreams because, um, yeah, I also organize some parties, still organizing dance parties here because I like it to do. But that's what I told you earlier. If you believe something, if you feel something, if you want to do something, you can achieve everything you want, but you have to feel it. You have to feel it. And that is something you can't uh, fake. That's what I experience. You can't say, okay, I want to now become a professional uh, 
uh, truck driver. Yeah. If you don't feel it, you won't become it, you know? Mm-hmm. And everything you do, you, if, if you have a really strong belief, you're going to, yeah, you're going to read some manuals, how to become a driver. And when you feel it, you are also motivated to, to learn and to, to experience and to, to meet other people and talk about it. And so in that transition period, would you say that you were motivated by a vision 2011 or was it more just practically I have to get good at this or were you feeling it then or not? No, I don't, I was not feeling at that moment. No, because what I told you earlier, my son was born and that I felt okay. Now that's, this is important. I was struggling. Um, when, yeah, you can imagine when you come from a life where, well, where it was all glamour and glitter and living the, the bright side of life, then suddenly you're three days or four days a week in an office <laughs> yeah. doing the type work, you know, and uh, calling with people. It's, it's totally different because I had an, uh, a manager said, you have to do this, you have to do that. I said, okay, <laughs> why? <laughs> but yeah, you, after uh, a period, you, um, yeah, you, you, yeah, you accept it and you gr- you grew into it. So it was okay, you know, and then, I'm always uh, a person who uh, see things differently than other people. I think sometimes because um, that's how I'm at, how I am. I think because I'm curious always, and always asking with people for oh, how do you do it, do that, or do you do this. I'm always um, yeah. I want I always want to learn new things. Mm-hmm. I'm always open for new uh, yeah for new things to to experience myself or with people. Okay, so do you feel that? through the work that you were doing, the passion came, like you developed it over the course of doing it? How long did it yeah. take? Well, how long does it take? Right there. What, what, what I really experienced in my work life is that the experience which I had from my music life, I could express it in my work. And that's really a good thing to do because I always, as, as certainly for marketeers and marketing managers, um, music scene is upfront to the corporate scene, if you, know, if, you, if you know what I mean. Because in the music industry, there are always happening new things. Uh, we're always busy with innovation, doing things differently. True. And, you know, in, in working life, especially in corporate life, there's not so much creativity when you compare it with the music industry. And that's always what I, in my work life, uh, yeah, that was my, my value. I, I brought value on that level. Right. So I brought music into the into the corporate world where I, where I worked back in the days, which was quite uh, quite nice to do. And I think you brought up a good point too about you know DJs and musicians so far ahead in terms of social media in terms of content creation, because you have to be. Yeah, friends, they have to be there, and it, it's a it's I, that's an interesting point. It's a completely different style of marketing as well. I don't know if you follow Coldplay at all, but they just recently dropped a new single. And I, I saw their little marketing campaign about this whole thing. It was pretty fascinating because they had an like, alien language website. This was just a couple of days ago, Friday. But they had an alien language website where you had to tune in to a certain frequency on this little map. And then it was like playing alien sounds and it was teasing. It was like all that kind of stuff. You know, They don't do that in the corporate world. No, because they will do that when they see when it's successful in the music industry. And then after four or five years, they say, hey, I've got something new. Yeah. And then yeah. you're further in the music industry, you know? Because now I'm thinking what, what I've seen with the, with the NFTs, the non-fungible tokens, to think, okay, how can we use those cryptos into the corporate world yeah, to create something really valuable for our customers? Absolutely. But in that process, I'm trying to, to think myself, to rethink myself sometimes, okay, how can we connect different industries together to create value for our end customers, you know? Sure. It's really good fun. So what was what was the path then that led you to marketing for Rye? So maybe just give us the steps from... The steps? Well, um, what I told you before, um, I was, after my DJ life, I was, uh, I worked at uh, Stage Entertainment. It's mm-hmm. really a big production company from the Netherlands, uh, which creates uh, musicals worldwide. Um, I started there as a marketeer. Uh, and after three years, uh, I left the company to um, because I, I live in The Hague and I worked in Amsterdam and it's about one and a half hour drive. So when my uh, 
um, firstborn son was born, uh, yeah, I was looking for a job nearby my hometown because, yeah, I didn't want to travel that much. So then I um, became a marketeer at um, a, a company called MBD Bibion in the, yeah, in Soetermeer, which is nearby The Hague. I started there as a marketeer and did some really nice jobs. And then I grew into a manager, uh, marketing and communications. Uh, I worked for about five years and really, really did some really nice things like, um, yeah, big websites, uh, big magazines, but also big events uh, nationwide, mm-hmm. um, which was quite okay. But it was really in different uh, industry. Mm-hmm. It was more in the libraries and schooling. So you can imagine the difference eh, between music industry and libraries. So it was really a weird combination. But for me, it was okay because I was living nearby my home and uh, working uh, nearby home and close to my kids and my family. And the job I had was really nice because you know I could experience with some, uh, some things. And then after uh, a period, I was thinking, okay, I worked here for five years and I said, okay, this is not my industry because I did my thing. But I need, when you come from the music industry, I need some more action. So then um, I became um, a marketing manager at uh, The Rye, uh, which is a big event company in Amsterdam. But the, the, the moment I started my first working day there, it was brilliant because then I felt, okay, yeah, I'm on the right place again, you know, in event industry. Uh, there's a lot of rumors. Uh, we do a lot of cool events, music events, but also exhibitions. But there is, uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, stuff going on, which I felt, as a person who I am, yeah, I yeah. felt uh, comfortable with. So you just, you just knew. You said, "This is it. This, yeah. I feel at home yeah. once again." Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's an amazing yeah. feeling. Um, yeah. And how long ago was that? When did you start? Well, that's all. I think it's five years ago now. Five years ago. Okay. I thought they're in there. They're in. 2016, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so what's the day-to-day of your job then? What is a typical day? I mean, obviously now, pandemic aside, like we'll forget about that for a minute, but what is your job like? Yeah, well, my, my role is to position uh, the, our venue in the world. Yeah, um, as, it's a sort of function where you have to promote the venue worldwide to uh, attract uh, customers and in particularly organizers from big uh, EDA, uh, from big events to come to Amsterdam and to organize their, 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 their exhibitions or their conferences or the, 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 the exhibitions, you know, really big events. Mm-hmm. You know, like, an, um, for example, we had the ACE uh, conference, the big ACE conference in Amsterdam two years ago. Okay. Uh, also, we do uh, shows for Martin Garrix or um, uh, really uh, other big exhibitions with lots of people like IBC, Integrated Broadcast Systems. So, so it's all um, over the map. So it's sometimes conferences, sometimes yeah. uh, shows, yeah. sometimes corporate yeah. events. So everything. Yeah. Well, that's good exactly. variety to keep you interested. Yeah. So and uh, yeah, my role is to to promote that worldwide, which is quite uh, quite nice. But uh, yeah, and what I say uh, because it's a lot of variety, it makes me uh, going on. You know. I completely understand. Yeah, yeah. You need that yeah. excitement. So what exactly. what uh, what does the job actually do? Like what what do you actually have? You're on the phone most of the time. Are you writing emails? What's the meat of the work? No, that is more um, when I look to my role. Particularly, uh, I, I I create, I try to create uh, campaigns. You know, from from scratch. Think okay, what what yeah? How is the market? Do research on where the people were. Uh, yeah, what? How can we add value to yeah, to their questions? If a big organizer, for example, in America wants to bring their events to Europe and what's what's yeah what's his question why why does he want to come to Europe eh, how can we help him to achieve his um, um, how you do you call it uh, goals. <laughs> the goals yeah yeah how can we how can he achieve his goals yeah through that that's cool so um how many shows are you trying to arrange in a year well, we, I work uh, close with uh, the business development team um, and they are doing the, the sales job, eh? so they're closing the deals. But yeah, we have targets, but yeah, how much? This is weird now because we're now in the, in the COVID time. Right. Well, yeah, we try to, to bring a lot of uh, big events uh, over to, uh, to, to Holland, to Amsterdam, actually. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. 
Um, I was going to ask, obviously, the events business hit hardest, of course, by the pandemic. How has yeah. that been the last year? Yeah, it was really hard because um, our doors are closed since March 2020. We had a big reorganization. Um, I think one third of the people that have, yeah, they left us. So we had in the work about 450 people and now about 300. So yeah, a lot of colleagues, uh, they left us, which was really uh, hard to see. Mm-hmm. Difficult, but um, yeah, you have to go on. And um, yeah, we try a lot of new things to do. We created uh, a COVID-proof event concept, but we, yeah, we hadn't had the chance to, to demonstrate it. We had some demo days, but um, it's, we're still waiting for a government um, um, rules to say, okay, you can yeah. do it now. But yeah, it's still, still hard. Do they have any concept wait. of the timeline? Do you have any yeah, idea when? Concept, but not, not a real event. Oh wow! Yeah, now now our venue is open for uh, vaccination and uh, testing. Okay. You no, know, the COVID testing. So yeah, we're helping our society, Amsterdam, the city of Amsterdam, to uh, yeah. That's very helpful. That's yeah. very helpful. Um, and soon, I guess I've read. I know that there's a lot of backlash about this, but people will be able to go to events if they have their vaccine card, right? That's something that's being discussed over there. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all things which is uh, uh, ruled by the the government. So okay, we will see how it happens. But yeah, you know, if I look to the society and the one and a half meter distance events, yeah, I don't believe it's, it's gonna work because when you go to an event, you want to yeah, it's not gonna work on a one and a half meter. I think, but yeah. that's my personal uh, view on it. Yeah, I think you're right. And and of course, when there's alcohol involved or anything like that, yeah, forget yeah, about go to, it. Go to a festival Nobody's with a one and a half meter. No, no one is doing yep. it. Yep. So, do you feel that you've achieved some kind of uh, a balance in your life? Do you feel comfortable about where you are in the work-life balance at the moment? Yeah, I'm really enjoying it at the moment. And sometimes when I, when I look into my heart, I think about the time when I was traveling the world as a DJ... Uh, sometimes I say, whoa, yeah, that was really awesome to do. And still, you know, still my colleagues, when I, when I tell my story, they always, why do you work here at our place? Why, why are you not in the DJ life anymore? But then I explain them how it goes and sometimes, and, um, but I'm really uh, happy with my life at the moment. You know, I have three healthy kids, a beautiful wife. Yep. Uh, I can do my thing. I can make my music. I still make music. I still organize parties, so I can. There's more freedom in my head, you know. And what I told you before, um, when you have kid, when you're having kids, your focus is changing. Your uh, sometimes when I was entering the DJ life, I was 22, 23. Mm-hmm. You're in a whole other position of a whole other level in your life mm-hmm. at that time. And you don't mind you partying and all of that stuff. No, but... I was partying every weekend, right. every day. To be honest. Yeah, no, it takes, when a, it takes a physical toll. At a certain point, it's you real, realize that it's not healthy either, right? Not only the flying, but being hung over all the time is not healthy. Yeah, true that. And what I think too, you have to be. Yeah, you know that maybe as as colleague marketeer, when you um, selling your product, you have to be in the market. Same when you are DJing, you have to be. You, you have to know which record is gonna hit it on the on the floor. And when you're not into it anymore, it's really difficult because I, I play sometimes. Mm-hmm. People ask me to play, okay, and then I go and then I really have to prepare myself because I have to go to Beatport, to buy the tunes, to call my colleague DJ and hey, do you have some uh, new cool promos? And they send me and I'm listening. But to be honest, the crap, which is, there's a lot of crap coming out on Beatport. I, I checked it sometimes, but yeah. it's horrible, to be honest. It looks like everyone who can make music they upload it and they they sell it. Well, I think it's yeah. The 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 sometimes I've, I feel like the the, the soul is out of it mm-hmm. because it's now really um, became more easy to to produce music and I think that's cool because you know a lot of people can uh, also become an artist of DJ whatever. But sometimes it's yeah, it's, it looks like everything sounds the same. To be honest, if there's one uh, big um, grid <laughs> which they copy and yeah, fill it, well, I was going to say it's everything is very templatized now. Exactly, and, and, and original. 
Yeah, and, and then there's so many rules now, but they're bad rules about what a genre is supposed to be. They're all the same. And yeah. there was way more flexibility back in the days before all of these rules. I completely agree, and that's something, I mean, you know, it's like when you get older, you say that. I'm sure that uh, our parents' generation are like, you had to be there when Jimi Hendrix was, you know, at Woodstock or whatever, but it's, no, but- I do believe that it's true. The creativity was way higher a couple decades yeah, and ago. Yeah, because when we uh, released music on vinyl, it has to be really good. Otherwise, it was a financial lo- uh, lose. Mm-hmm. The vinyl wasn't selling. But nowadays, you can upload it for free. You know, it, it, so the production cost of a download is, yes, it's, I think it's nothing. Yeah. But the production cost of selling 1,000 or 1,500, pressing 1,500 vinyls, yeah, that's a lot of money. So they had to sell it. So... I think the standards, you know, it's, I want to, I don't say it, it was better at the time, but it was different. It was a different process to yeah. achieve uh, the biggest hit. And also what I liked back in the days was the promotion of the, the white labels. Nowadays, the, when you release a tune of two weeks, it's, it's gone. Yep. But back in the days, yeah, you know how it was when you had a white label and I was going to a festival and I heard Carl Cox playing a tune and everyone was, oh, where the press, what, what, what record was it? It 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 tastes it it, it yeah it, it was longer the 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 how do you say it um, the tune the buzz around the tune was it, it the the life it, the yeah. record lasted longer yeah exactly and exactly. Uh, that was an interesting thing as well yeah the whole process was different I watched an interview DJ Mag had an interview with Faithless one of the most iconic groups um, their song Insomnia was doing the rounds as a white label for over a year before yeah, it blew exactly. up. And then people kept asking for it, and they're like, what is that melody? And then finally it became a hit, which you would never imagine. That's yeah, hard I, to believe that that could happen these days. It's like, if it doesn't yeah, go somewhere in the first 24 hours, it's done. And that's why I believe in the NFT, the non-fungible tokens, because hey, when we can create a digital project and makes it unique, I, so I see there's maybe hope for the music industry, which I really... Uh, Embrace because I think that's maybe what it what it needs, you know, yep. to to bring it back, uh, yeah, to, to take it in a different direction. And I think it's also uh, the internet has become really huge at today's, which was also really good for the uh, for the posi- for the position of of, the, of our music. It it brought us very much, which is okay, of course. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I really hope that um, yeah, that that the the buzz around the tune, yeah, become takes longer because it's yeah artists they are putting a lot of effort in it to create something yeah really yeah beautiful. nfts are interesting that way because yeah, yeah it's it content has become so devalued and especially now and i was talking to my brother and he was saying that after the pandemic he thinks people are even more burned out on content right now because they've been stuck at home consuming content so a lot of people's business model is also kind of struggling right now who are producing content because there's just so much content being made, whether it's video or audio or blogs. There's just so much stuff coming at you 24 hours a day. Yeah. To, to stand out in any regard is, is very difficult in any field, I think. Yeah, it's really difficult. It's really difficult. Yeah, and that's, um, yeah, I'm really curious uh, how it's, yeah, how it is developing the, the next... Uh, decade but yeah interesting times well I, I hope that when things you know clear up people will go back to work the remote thing will stop except for the people who are already doing the remote thing aka me <laughs> anyways i think you know and then it'll go back to a little bit of normal again <laughs> but now it's yeah. too many people trying to do the same thing right now never good yeah yeah, but that's what I experience now from the music. And, you know, to be honest, I'm not uh, every day on Beatport. So, you know, maybe there's also uh, there's also coming a lot of good tunes coming out. That's what I heard too. And a lot of new, cool new artists, especially also in Holland. Mm-hmm. Which that makes me also uh, really interesting eh, to combine styles. To be honest, I'm um, now working at an, uh, with a friend of mine who's in a hip-hop artist to create a hip-hop project totally something different than uh, the dance I did back in the days. Um, that's one of the projects I'm now working on. And I'm Excellent. also working uh, with, on a project with uh, with the English bloke you, uh, you yeah. told me before, <laughs> which is quite okay. And with Mark, my my former companion. So uh, yeah, we're trying to uh, to create a sort of live act, semi-live act with singing and, um, you know, with, with the old Fantastic. school... Uh, 
old school uh, machine. So um, we had it back in the days in a really analog studio and I sold uh, the, a lot of stuff and go into a digital studio. But what I told you before, a few years ago, I got more inspiration. So I was starting to sell, offer to buy again the new analog uh, machine. So uh, yeah, it's getting back to analog again, which I really prefer to do. Yeah, that's I, I agree. I like the sound of that stuff way more. It's just different. You can hear it more organic. Yeah, but I think the combination, you know, between digital and and, and analog makes it really interesting to uh, yeah to create something new. Well, I'm really excited to hear what you've got coming. Um, I wanted to get a little practical here. So, some people out there, and again, there's stages of life. Some people out there might be that 20 year old guy who loves dance music. They might be listening to this right now. So, what advice do you have for somebody who wants to, let's say, start a career in dance music or as a DJ or producer? Well, uh, how I started, uh, believe in it and do what you like. You know, uh, I'm, I was when I was when I was when I was fourteen year. When I came back from school during the week, I always went into my little studio and was making music. That was my life. You know, to sometimes I go out and but I was always uh, working on it. You know, because I really love it. I love I love what I was doing. When I had a birthday party, my friends always hey, where's Norman? And he's, he was on his bedroom making music because I was really into it, um, really eager to, to produce, to, to try to new things. And then when I was becoming older, I went to the clubs and was speaking to the DJs, go speak to the DJs, giving the demos, sending demos, um, go out, go, um, uh, go out and speak promoters. So we are, you know, they, they have to see you. Who are you? And then give them the mu- give them your music. And um, yeah, that's what I, how it all started with me. But be honest for yourself and uh, do what you like. Do what you do. But believe in it. Because it has to come from the inside. It's not... Yeah, and and enjoying it. You know, you have to enjoy it. If you enjoy it, then it will come. But if you're doing it just to get rich, or you're doing it just because you have to have a number one hit. Yeah, that's... You'd say no. No. Okay, yep. No, I think that's the the strongest belief I have, and that's what I try to to bring my children... Do what you do, have to do, and enjoy what what you're doing. If you don't enjoy it, yeah. Why are you doing it then? To become rich or to please me or to please your your mom? Try to to find out what you what you like to do, and uh, yeah, that's what I. Uh, I think that's very wise advice. Yeah. And all along those lines, somebody who maybe did one thing, whether they were a creative professional or they had another career, and somebody who is making a leap. Maybe right now they're making a leap, switching careers, changing to do something new. What advice would you have for that person? <laughs> be patient. Be patient. Okay. Be patient. That's what I uh, did because what I told you earlier, it was really uh, hard for me. The first years from DJ into the working life, it was, yeah, it cost me maybe two, three years to accept it. Two, three years, yeah. And how did you know? How did you know that you should keep going? Did you have a sign, or was it really just willpower? How do you mean the? Like, did you? What kept you going in the darker periods? What was your motivation to get up to do what you have to do? Maybe not feeling it, but feeling that you might feel it one day. Well, to be honest, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, no, maybe. Uh... I know my, 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 my wife was pregnant. Yeah. It, that makes me uh, focused. And the other way I was doing, okay, you know, you have to do what you do. Mm-hmm. You have to earn money and to go. And, and then my wife became pregnant and it's okay. This different phase in your life. But I was working on the music. But yeah, it was, it was a really weird time, to be honest. It was a really weird time. Confusing also. Yeah. Because normally yeah, people, when they go to to study, to college or to university, then they are yeah, going to work and then they got a wife or maybe that's the conditioned uh, life for a lot of people. But I was from my um, university, I went into the DJ life, which was, yeah, really weird for a lot of people. For, hey, what's he going to do? He's going to, to follow his dream. Well, my friends, they went to the normal, regular daily uh, job and I was okay. I do now thing I really like to do. And then after 10 years, <laughs> I went into the working uh, society. So it was really, uh, that was, it was weird. 
but it was okay. But so, I'm sure that you wouldn't, to be very clear, you would have no regrets about doing that because you you wouldn't have skipped a step if you could, right? You wouldn't no, have fast forward, no, right? I would do, no, and I think I will do the same again. But um, when I was into the DJ life, I lived my life. I was lived, if you know what I mean. But I think if I can do it again, I w- would have taken it more seriously, like an entrepreneur. Okay, cool, and now DJ, but where am I over five years? Okay. And maybe so I was a bit too serious sometimes in my DJ life and had to do what I really, sometimes I forgot I had to enjoy it, you know, because yeah. in the end of my career, I feel, yeah, when I looked back to it, as, yeah, I was more busy with side things instead of where it all started, you know, to make nice music because that's, that was the, the key, that was the core. And I for, forgot, forgot it sometimes because I was really busy with other things which were important for me at that time. So yeah, take it seriously. Do what you like, you know, and when you can, when you show that in your, in your own thing, then it will become huge. If, if you were more entrepreneurial, what do you think you would have done? If you took that part more seriously, what would have been different? Well, I, I think uh, more wise with my finance, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> because I don't, want to, I don't know where, where it's gone. Really stupid, uh, stupid things. Eh? Buying new machines or whatever. I don't know, but uh, that also, um, yeah, make it more, uh, more of a plan. You know, but okay, setting up goals maybe, um, invest money in some things. That makes Doing, sense. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, a lot of more, um, yeah, entrepreneurial things. Yeah, busy with the future instead of busy with the moment. I was living in the moment at that time. Right. Too much, maybe. Too much. Well, you you do see that. That's a very classic thing. Obviously, Holland is the country of DJs, of dance music, so it's much more normal than, I think, most parts of America. Also, the fact that you have free festivals everywhere in all these towns all the time. I mean, it's it's just a very big part of daily life, but I witnessed so many young DJs in the era where they would get an advance from their publisher or from the record label. They'll get, you know, what, 10,000, 20,000, maybe even like 50,000 euros as an advance that's supposed to help them with their business. First thing they buy is some watches, gold chains, and a a nice car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you wonder where the money goes like five, ten years later when the gigs dry up. Yeah, but it's also when you're uh, when you're young and uh, a bit of yeah, you don't have the life experience. And uh, when you're becoming older, you, you all see that from a helicopter view. Both sure, been there, done that. I can imagine how how it was at the time. But it's also um, I think a really a, an important role for a manager uh, to say, okay, nice that you are going to spend your own money on the watches and the cars, but think about it. You know, invest it in, in good proper studio equipment, for example, to produce that unique sound. Because then you can make a difference or uh, yeah, do collabs with uh, with artists or whatever. But act wise instead of uh, living the bottle service. Or yeah, 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 yeah. Magnums of champagne at Ushuaia and Ibiza. Yeah, but yeah, you know, it's uh, it's like how it went, and I don't ha- I don't regret it. I really uh, enjoyed it, and when I look back, I still got a smile on my face. Wow, yeah, it was it was a great time, and. I think I bring it, I can give, um, I, can, I bring the experience I, I did, I bring it back in my work nowadays. So it's, it's still there, you know? And I've still uh, got more network. I still spe- I speak with a lot of people from that time. They become friends and, you know, uh, I still go out sometimes to parties if it's allowed, when it can. I organize still the parties. I make music myself. Yep. So it's always a part of me. It's never. It's never not. Uh, yep. Yeah, it's never lost. So what What then, we've talked a bit about the past, what What would be the ideal scenario in the next five years? What's your goal now? What's the new dream? The new dream? Well, to be honest, I don't have dreams <laughs> that much. But no, I, what I told you before, I, uh, I have two projects, the Hippo Project, yep. which um, we're now um, are giving life. Um, it's a good thing one of my uh, friends, the hip hop producer. He's. Um, it was. Yeah, we're, it started really funny because uh, two years ago, he um, three years ago already, he uh, he called me and he said he got he's got a daughter with a syndrome of Down, mm. Down syndrome, mm-hmm. and he asked me for yeah, all the 
the rumors in the world about the downstream are really negative, and I want to to create a positive uh, message for for her. So he asked me to help him to produce a tune, and uh, I said, "Yeah, can you help me out? I've got an uh, instrumental from uh, Biggie, and I want to rap about it." He said, "Oh." We're gonna we're gonna not use that instrument track. We're gonna make a track, okay? So I said, okay, cool. So we uh, we created in a studio session for him. We bring back uh, we fly in some 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 musicians and we created a tune, and we released it on Down Syndrome Day, and it went viral. All the news in 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 the Netherlands, uh, the news companies were getting on it. Well, well, fuck! It was really getting huge. Yeah, and it was so cool because it also came out of his heart, you know. And that's what I told you earlier. It started with his feeling. It's, and it was. I think your your wife so so on it, Maruja. She sung it on the top line. Yeah, she sung on it. She did. Oh, okay. <laughs> she did. Yeah, she did. No. That's that's great. Yeah, that's great. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was awesome to to experience it, and that's yeah, it, it, it tastes to more. So we decided, okay, you know, music with an um, with a message, society message. I think it's yeah, I think it's it's wise to do because we're not that young anymore, and you know, the a lot of the rappers who release music they rap about the cool life glamour life and we said no maybe we have to choose some subjects which are eh, hot hot topics in society and create tracks on it so uh, we have now a few tracks ready and gonna, yeah we're now busy in the, in the process to to uh, to send them sending out demos to to companies that's one of my dreams on the music cool. side and the other dream is um i'm yeah i reconnect with mark my yeah. former company from mark norman and also with new a friend of us reproduced I think almost on album already and yeah I want to bring that album also to life Alleen, it's yeah it's getting it's it's tough because I also have my job my family mm. my kids mm-hmm. you know with all sport things and so it's 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 hard sometimes uh, to manage it all because you don't want to get all wrapped up in it yet again and then you end up in that same situation you were in, in the past exactly because exactly. it, it'd so, be easy to I, get going too fast and then yeah, you know I don't have target, you know. I don't have a uh, deadline to to finish. So okay. I can do it in one yeah. time. And when I when it's ready, it's ready. So, yeah. so conceptually, then this is a very interesting point. We're almost at the end of this. I think it's a really fascinating story. Very cool, all of the stuff that you've been able to do. But um, conceptually, is it better for somebody to go all in on a creative passion, or do you think keeping a day job and doing it as a hobby? makes more sense with what you know now. Yeah. When I look back and uh, when I look to my own uh, situation, I think when you want to succeed, you have to focus. All in. And when when it started for us in the music industry back in the days, um, my record company was giving us money. So we could take the decision, okay, I don't have to work a year. But from the money they gave us, we could live, we could buy uh, our apartments and uh, paying the rent and doing the groceries. So, but it gave us financial freedom to create the music. And then from that time, one year later on, where, uh, yeah, it went off. That's really cool. And I think that does, there's something there with that speaks to Dutch and European society. And I do think that that there's an upside and a downside, but in America, and certainly here in Los Angeles, life is so expensive, you just can't even believe. Just to live is so expensive. So yeah. if you're going to be here or anywhere in Southern California, you have to be earning just tons and tons of money all the time, or you can't afford it. And that's why there's so many homeless people. It's just, it's, it's insane how high the expenses are. One of the great things about Europe and the Netherlands and other places like that is that I've noticed, and this is just me having lived in both places for a long time, is that the freedom to create a lot of young guys, young producers, young artists, their rent for their apartment certainly was, but it might be like 500 euros or less. They might have a student apartment. They're paying under 500 euros a month to rent, and a lot of other things are taken care of or free. So they're able to give their career that space to grow and to build something. Whereas in a place like this, the financial pressure is just so high 
that you can't just take a year off and make music, really. You have to have serious money to do that. So maybe that's why, or one of the reasons why the Netherlands has so many DJs and artists and festivals, because they allow that space for people to do that. Yeah, maybe that's one of the reasons. I'm not sure, because um, it also has, I think, one of the most important things that has to, yeah, it has to be in, you have to believe it, you know, if you know what I mean. And if you want to become a DJ, you, I think it doesn't matter where you live. But to be honest, yeah, it's it's a financial thing, you know. But yeah, um, I think when you want to, if you want to succeed, you have to go for, you have to focus. You have to focus to do your thing, do your thing. But yeah, nowadays I'm working as a marketing manager. Yep. But I'm also having enough space in my head to create music, you know. Sometimes I, when I come from hard work, I go into my studio and produce a track. But it, yeah, you have to be free in your head. And that's, yeah, especially what you're saying, if you don't have the finance to to, to fund yourself or it's difficult, it's really hard to, to create something stunning. That makes that's what sense. I also experienced. Well, it's very cool. I think you have a great story. I'll, I'll wrap up with a quick ending question here, but I think it's really cool what you've done. Congratulations on building that next thing. Um, also finding a cool career that you like. I think that's awesome, man. I'm very, very excited to hear the new music. So send it over. Yeah, well, I'm going to send very, it over. Very, yeah, very excited cool. to hear what you've been up to since yeah. I yeah. remember hearing that Color My Eyes on In Search of Sunrise 4, I believe it was, right? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, Which also might have been... coincidentally been Los Angeles. Is that correct? Yeah, well, Los Angeles, yeah. Well, <laughs> hey. <laughs> wow, like, digging, digging into the old memory bank. <laughs> yeah, we're finding a connection there. Um, very cool what you've been up to. Um, I think it's awesome, man. I'm like, I think it, it all makes a lot of sense. And I hope that there's there's people out there. There's stages of life. There's a lot of takeaways from this. Uh, the takeaway is that when you're young, you might make a different decision. When you're older, you, you it, something else might make sense. And uh, you know, for me, it was also I was traveling in China, and that was the moment when I had a realization. When it was a particularly heavy pollution day, and I was sitting in a hotel room, and I was thinking, like, I just would rather be home right now, you know. And then you have a thought in, in, with your kid, and you're like, I don't want to leave my kid every weekend. I don't want to fly away during these amazing years of their life. So there's a lot of stuff in what you're saying that I think is very real and very raw, and that people can learn from. So yeah. What it's you're cool saying during uh, the pandemic, um, yeah, I've experienced how uh, workful it is that, that that I'm home with my kids. You know, I don't have to travel time to Amsterdam because I'm now here with them. Yeah, beautiful. It is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also we've seen that a lot of the people who choose career over their family, they have a great career, but you often see that the family life suffers in some way. Either they get divorced or they don't have a real connection with their wife or they, their kids love them, but they don't have a real connection with their kids. Yeah. If, if you're on the road 200 plus shows out of a year and you, you see your kids like, oh, let's, let's meet in, <laughs> in Spain for a day. Okay, see you in another yeah. few months. It's it's hard. Well, it's in, it's in choose, you know. You, you choose that life. And I think uh, if, you, if you can choose, yeah, everyone... Decides different. They choose for themselves, yeah. 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 And maybe yeah. it is justified. You know, maybe if you have enough fans, but your kids will hate you, they'll go to therapy. But maybe you have a million other people that you're benefiting their life, so maybe it's a trade-off. I don't know. Um, to, to leave it, what what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Believe in yourself. Believe in what you do. And don't... Um, don't be... You don't feel uh, ignored when people are saying you don't like they don't like it. If you believe it, you will succeed it. That's what I think too, and that's what I'm trying to how to raise my kids. If you believe it, if you want it, if you feel it, go for it. Cool. Because sometimes my 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 older son is saying, "Papa, I want to fly to the moon." Well, I say, "Okay, if you believe it, do you believe it?" And you believe it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> you know, if you can, I think if you believe it, yeah, you will succeed. You go, you fly to the moon or Mars, whatever, maybe with SpaceX, with Tesla. If you right. believe it, I believe it. It's never been more likely than it is right now. No. Cool. Well, that'll wrap yeah. it up, my friend. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, where can people find you? Social media or what can they uh, support of yours? Yeah, of course. I've got an Instagram, uh, DJ Mark Norman. Okay. Yeah, you show it. Yep. And um, if they want to follow me on my work, they go to my LinkedIn. 
And um, well, Twitter, I'm not that much on Twitter. So and if, if, if they want to see uh, who, who I was as a DJ, they go to my website, marknorman.com. And you can show it. So uh, Okay, I'll bring it all up on the screen. Very cool, man. Well, well, thank you thank so you. much for taking the time. It's been a real pleasure talking with you and good seeing you again. Um, it's been really Amen. nice. I'm glad you're doing well and the family is okay. Cool, Ross. Good to speak Sweet. to you, Ed. Likewise. Well, I'm going to say the podcast is officially over. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Often Path podcast. If you've been enjoying this show, please like, comment, share, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to me on YouTube. It would mean the world to me. Also, do you have an unusual success story or do you know someone who does? Well, please recommend them to me. They could be a future guest on this show. Maybe they've rolled the largest boulder down the mountains of Tibet. Or maybe they built the world's largest chicken farm in Madagascar. The point is, I don't know what I don't know. So I'm looking for inspiration and unusual success stories. So help me by being a part of this adventure. I'm looking to grow this podcast with you. Thanks again for listening.